and welcome to this week's episode from A Lancashire Lass. Merry Christmas to all my listeners. Joining me today is Rowena Cross, a speaker, writer and founder of Esther Ministry, as well as being an all-round lovely human being. today is Rowena Cross. Hi Rowena, how are you doing? Hi Lucy, I'm good thank you, how are you? I'm good thanks. I first met Rowena back in early 2017. She came to my church and held an Esther ministry day which we'll go on to talk about later but I loved listening to her speak and found her super inspiring and knew she'd be great to be on my podcast. Um, So for my listeners, why don't you start by explaining what happens on an Esther Ministry Day and why you founded it? Yeah, well, I think anyone, I just want to say, first of all, I think that being called inspirational by you is just like a huge blessing because I think you're incredibly inspirational all by yourself, Um, how you love Jesus and how you deal with what life has thrown at you with your health. And so, yeah, you, if someone's listening to this podcast, listen to her. She has a, a voice for God that God wants to bring to the world. And so, yeah, I just want to encourage you. So, yes, you were indeed at Esther Ministry. And I would love to tell you there was this long plan and it was all kind of organized. And, but it literally was when I became a Christian I basically didn't understand what was going on, what language was being used. And um, I was just like, I people were talking about gifts and calling and I'm like, what does God ring you? How does this work? I don't know. So I just basically did that thing. I'd been in marketing for like 20 years. So I was like, right, I'll just set something up because there was a gap. Mm-hmm. And so I literally just stepped out and said, I'm setting up. It was a bit like a toddler going today. I'm going to be a fireman. It was like that. It was kind of, I'm going to set this ministry up. I don't know where I'm going to go, what it's going to do, how, you know, but just stepped out in complete faith. And a friend of mine had rung me and kind of said, I really feel there's something of Esther about you. And I'm like, oh, great. Thanks. No idea what she was talking to. So I just scuttled off and read Esther. And it was like, oh, wow. And I was struck by Esther as this beautiful queen, but she doesn't come from a queenie background. And so she, even she's like in this position of power and influence and she just doesn't get that she's in this position of power and influence and God wants to use her to save people literally and spiritually and it takes someone else to kind of come along and go oi love you know maybe you were made queen for such a time as this mm-hmm. and I just had this sense from God that a lot of Christians wander around like this definitely people who aren't Christians like I was before walk around like this not knowing who they are whose they are, why they're here. And so I just kind of randomly started this thing. A man helped me that I'd been on a retreat with and God just provided everything. I had no money. I had no nothing. And he just literally, people just popped up. And so Esther Ministry was kind of born that way. And now it's four years later and I'm in a different country. (laughs) Yeah. And um, I remember on the day, we were sort of learning what gifts we had, weren't we? And that's right. So what kind of activities 
I can remember them, but what do you want to explain sort of the activities we did to find out what those gifts were, perhaps? Yes. Well, we, it was quite, it's still a bit, I mean, it's evolved a lot since I saw you guys. That, by the way, that's one of my funnest days I've done. That all, <laughs> really? Like yeah, it was still to this day. All those women just came with such a, an open heart to hear from God. And we just, I just remember laughing and crying and just, it was just beautiful. It was a beautiful day. And that has been replicated a lot. What I've seen, um, I've been running Esther ministry at tear fund for four years in a row for the staff. And every time when I do it there, I get the privilege of actually seeing how people, where they go afterwards, mm -hmm. which I don't usually do in an Esther day, but essentially we just, I tried to create, some activities that were interactive because there's nothing worse than going on a day and someone just speaking at you all day no matter how entertaining they may or may not be it was about change i didn't want to do a fluffy christian day where people just turned up and goes yeah jesus loves you great and then you go home again it was like no what are you going to do with that i'm not letting you out until we know what you're doing so we did the leaving your lies at the foot of the cross and setting fire to them, which is always popular with pastors and vicars when mm. I'm setting fire to something in their church. <laughs> um, we had to use a shredder at Tear Fund. They were not having any of that lighting a fire in their building. I don't blame them. Um, and then we did the runaround game from the 80s where we did about lies about the things that we believe about giftings you know mm -hmm. that they're for other people they're not for us and then there's the gifting exercise now actually the one I use now is different to the one you did but they do a spiritual giftings quiz which is basically like a cosmo quiz without the sex that's how I describe it <laughs> it's a Christian cosmo quiz if you will and everybody loves that bit because it's 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 84 questions that you have mm -hmm. to answer really really quickly and um at the end of those 84 questions, what God will have done is he will have led you to what you're gifted in on that day, in that season. And then we move on to a plan of what are you going to do next with that? That's where, to be brutally honest, it always falls spectacularly apart because people panic and it's like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. You didn't say I had to do something. And it's like, yeah, our gifts are to be used you know, it, not just had, not just known, we're supposed to use them. And it boils down to a lot of people not having confidence that, and I can relate to that, that was me, you know, not feeling worthy that somehow gifts are for vicars and pastors and mm -hmm. bishops and posh people and people who are, you know, doing speakers and, and actually it's all about that beautiful verse in Romans where, you know, God wants to use the body of Christ. It's about the body, whether you're a toe or an eye or a mouth or a blood cell. You know, a blood cell is the smallest part of your body. You try breathing without any blood cells. You can't try walking when your little toe has fallen off. You have to relearn how to walk. Every part of the body of Christ is important. That's what the purpose was to, to help people to understand that they may have a different gift to the person sat next to them. It doesn't mean their gift is less valuable. It's just different. That's all. It's just different. It has a different purpose and it has a different aim. So that was kind of, if you got that, then I was doing my job with God, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I loved it. I definitely came away feeling sort of more confident about, about my gifts and things. And 
just being with women for for the whole day like just chatting with different age groups and different women and their stories was also like really a nice atmosphere to be to be with um so that was why, down to wonderful helen yeah that was wonderful helen who and actually she had a significant hearing from god that day that was the day that she actually knew she was supposed to start kind of that journey of going to ordination god spoke to her mm. really clearly and it's a beautiful thing to watch and being friends with her means i've actually got to watch that journey even though we're far away from each other yeah. and miles so you know it was beautiful god spoke to her and said no i know you think you're this but actually i have this planned for you and that was such a shock for her so i love those kind of revelations that's like yes get in <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i messaged her today to say i'm just checking i'm just doing some like background research on when did we do the esther ministry day and she's like 2017 i was like oh my goodness that's a long time ago <laughs> i'm glad you asked her and not me because i wouldn't have been able to tell you when you said that i was like was it that's like three, three years ago nearly four years ago it's mm. and it just feels like yesterday to me yeah i remember just like listening to all your stories and everything and they were fascinating um why don't you bring the listeners back to maybe life before you were a Christian, how you became a Christian, sort of that sort of testimony, as it's called? Yeah, well, so me and my husband were brought up in um, just non non Christian homes, no church. Um, just it just wasn't on our radar. You know, it wasn't that we were brought up in atheist homes or anything that was anti-God. It was just not even mentioned. It just wasn't there. And I think that's a lot of people out there. And so when we were having our first child, um, I ended up in a coma and I mm. uh, had a huge um, anaphylaxis to a drug they gave me that I'd never been allergic to before. Um, and I had an anaesthetist sat next to me and even he couldn't, he struggled to save me. So I ended up in a coma. Mm -hmm. um, and I've all, I've, I always say, like, I got asked a lot afterwards, why? Because um, clearly I'm still alive, just in case you thought <laughs> Lucy was doing something dodgy. And, but I am alive. And she, um, and, I, and people kept saying to me, you know, did you have a profound thought? Did you see a light? What did you do? And I'm like, no, the last thing I remember was the sound of a Bic razor and thinking, well, I'm going to pay for that later. That was literally my last thought before I went unconscious. <laughs> and when, when I found Jesus, I was kind of like, could you not have given me something more profound and more beautiful and kind of, you know, highbrow than that? And he's like, no, it's you. That's kind of how you operate. And it's like, yeah. Um, so anyway, I was unconscious. My husband. How long? How long were you in the coma for? It was only about half a day, but mm -hmm. I think it felt like half a year to my poor husband, who witnessed all of this. That was the yeah. thing that really distressed me afterwards was that the thought of him standing there, you know, and having mm -hmm. to see all of this. I think it's just as hard for him as it was for me. Yeah. Um, and anyway, I was unconscious, and he was told that I wouldn't survive, and that. I, that I was being kept alive by a machine and my daughter had been taken out and she was in the special care mm -hmm. um, just being checked over because she'd had no oxygen. Um, and my mum and dad had started going to church a little while before, uh, mm -hmm. quite out the blue. And um, 
and Ron got down on his knees. He says that he'd, he'd kind of, he remembers it. his dad died when he was 14 and he remembered running out into the garden and going, there is no God. If you were there, you wouldn't have taken my dad from me. Mm-hmm. So that day he dropped back down to his knees and said, okay, Lord, if you are there, I will do anything if you will save my wife. And you'll find out in a little while why that's a really be careful when you pray that prayer. So at the moment he prayed and at the moment the church prayed, I woke up and the doctors kept telling me it was a miracle. Now, Lucy, you probably know more, more about the NHS than I do, um, but they're not really known for praying for people. It's kind of a no-no. It's it's a kind of an atheist organization to a, of a fashion because that we you know it's that fear of i don't want to push faith onto people yeah it's they've like, got to be careful haven't they what they say and it appears which, sort of neutral i guess exactly which is absolutely ridiculous because you're not neutral it means you are an atheist organization if you're not going to point yet you know when people are in pain and in trouble that is the time they need prayer i needed prayer i am alive because christians stepped out of their oh it's a bit awkward i i might offend her they didn't offend me when I finally found the gospel, it was the most beautiful thing I'd ever heard in my life. And so we didn't jump out of bed. The doctors kept coming in and going, we need you to understand it's a miracle. Now that's really unusual. Yeah, and all right. I wanted them to, it isn't it? It's weird. Mm-hmm. But, it, but they said, we need you. I need, in fact, one doctor said to me, I need you to repeat back to me that you've heard this. And I was just like, yeah, I've heard it. I want anything to get her out of my room because I had a complete breakdown. I was so traumatized. It was horrible. Yeah. And when we moved away, we kind of ran away from our pain and moved away. Mm-hmm. And my husband heard a voice as we drove past a building hundreds of miles away. And it said, buy this, you need to buy this building. Now, as non-Christians, you're like listening to a voice usually gets you put in some sort of, you know, well, you'll, you'll be assessed by the doctor for whether your mental health is okay. Let's put it that way. But it wasn't weird. Mm-hmm. It wasn't weird. It was completely normal to hear this voice and go, we need to respond to that. And so he did what he always does and just said, you know, ring them up. So I rang them up and said, are you thinking of selling? Can we buy your place, please? This is in Devon now. We're in Devon from mm-hmm. London. And we went via Yorkshire, long story, which you haven't got time for any podcasts. I'm trying to speed it up. Uh, basically, we went to Devon and, um, and these people, it's kind of this woman's had a go at me and said, how dare you ring and ask this? And then I heard a voice that said, leave your phone number. So I did. And I wasn't very obedient at that time. Me and my husband are like old ravers. You know, we, we were out living at large, earning a lot of money, you know, nowhere near god far from god what was what was your sort of job beforehand or so i was a business development director for an advertising agency so that's not exactly the peace corps it's up there with a state agency for (laughs) kind of shark infested waters you know not that i have anything against estate agents can i just say that or people in advertising i was one but there aren't many people who lead you to jesus in those places so we kind of a woman rang me back and said how did you know we were thinking of selling and i said we didn't so we ended up buying this place and what god had done without us knowing is we're still recovering from this trauma our daughter was about two mm-hmm. when we moved there and um he put us right in the middle of a little village 
by the sea that had a very active church and a, and a Christian outdoor center called St. George's House that basically welcomes children from all over the UK who've basically never had a holiday, never seen the sea, and they teach them to surf and to climb and to, you know, go rock crawling. It is, but they teach them about Jesus. So what we're watching, because we have the village shop now, because I'm like, seriously, I was in advertising. Do I look like a shopkeeper? But that's what God had for us. So we did it. We didn't know that was what he had for us. And we're watching these people. So first of all, we meet Christians and they have a light inside them that we've never seen before. That's how we described it. We didn't know what we were saying, but that's how we described it. Mm-hmm. And we're fascinated. And what we're also seeing is these kids come into our shop, hoods up, faces down at the beginning of the week and we're talking to them and engaging by the end of the week we're seeing kids with faces up hoods down turned up knowing Mm. jesus coming to life literally we could not stop asking these people what is that why don't we know what that is we want that Mm. and we begged them to tell us the gospel and they did none of them are evangelists they would none of them describe themselves as evangelists but they saw our pain. I was still having huge therapy and they told us the gospel. And honestly, it was the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. One morning we just woke up and our shop was seven days a week and it was Sunday. And we were like, I want to go to church. And my husband was like, so do I, that's weird. We went, cried the whole service, no idea what was happening. Couldn't tell you what they said, just stood up when they stood up, sat down when they sat down, (laughs) you know, just kind of couldn't tell you, but just what I now realized was the Holy Spirit moving in our hearts. We just said, we feel like we've come home. Mm-hmm. We did an alpha course and, and, and we did an alpha course. We were discipled really well, put in a group. We shut our shop every Sunday and put a sign up saying we have gone to church. We mm-hmm. will open again when we finish. So the whole village watched us come to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and I personally was filled with a rage instantly. I'd love to say, I hope it was a holy rage at how I'd lived for 34 years and no Christian had ever told me about Jesus. And people have said to me, my mentor asked me the other day, she's amazing. And she said, do you think they did? And you just weren't listening. And I said, I can categorically tell you, no one told me about Jesus. Now, that I lived in London. I don't believe I never met a Christian. I just don't believe that. I just think that through whatever reason, fear, confidence, no one, people looked at us and said our no for us. They said, you're not valuable enough to tell. That hurts when I say that out loud. It hurts people when they receive that word. It's like, why was I not valuable enough to tell the gospel to? Mm -hmm. And so I made a promise to Jesus in that moment. I would tell anyone, and I mean anyone who will listen about Jesus. I was asked to go on the radio here but was told I couldn't mention Jesus. I said, you do realize that's like telling McDonald's they can open, but they can't serve food. What's the purpose of me if I can't tell you about Jesus? What am I going to talk about? Mm. He said, well, other churches have managed it. I said, well, not this one. You know, it's our job to tell people they are deeply loved. If there is someone listening to this podcast now and you do not know, no one has ever told you that Jesus loves you in this horrible, dark, oppressive pandemic that Jesus loves you, I am telling you now, sister, brother, whoever you are, Jesus loves you. He loves you 
just where you are. He's not asking you to become better, thinner, fatter, cleverer, more educate, whatever. He loves you. He looks at you and sees the gold. What you choose to do with that information, what someone does is between them and God. It's not my job to go around converting people or it's my job to go around and share his love, the love that saved me. It's my job to go and share that with others. It wasn't just for me. It was for everybody. And so I realized that with Esther ministry, that's what God was asking me to do, to equip Christians to actually be bold, stop faffing about and crack on for Jesus, which is exactly what I believe he's asking us to do. In a pandemic, it's especially needed. There is no hope. I'm finding this pandemic really, really hard. And I know and love Jesus and I know he loves me. Mm. So how must it be if you're just trying to get through that on your own without knowing him, without that hope of there is more to life than just me. There is more to life than this life, you know? So mm. I don't believe we were meant to know Jesus until we were in our mid thirties because it's given us a fire and a passion. I don't know whether I would have had that fire and passion before or whether it's because of that, but I do know that in our last church, hundreds of people came to Jesus and not because we're special or clever or anointed or whatever word you want to use. It was because we asked. That was the only difference because we asked. And so the reason I, apart from how fabulous you are, that I said yes to this is because there are people in Lancashire right now listening to this who need to know the gospel. The gospel is for everyone. It goes through class, through race, through wealth, through none of that. You can't earn it. We don't deserve it. It's for everyone. And that means you, whoever is listening, even if one person, this whole podcast could have been made for one person in Lancashire or beyond. Yeah, I was going to say, or anywhere. <laughs> or anywhere who just, that's the beauty of the internet, who just needed to hear today, you are loved. Jesus sees you in your pain. He sees you in your struggle. He sees you in your joy and you are loved. All you have to do is just say, I'm sorry for anything I may have done. And I just invite you, Jesus, into my heart. If you're at home now and you want to do that, just do that. Just invite Jesus into your heart and say, Jesus, come into my heart and see what happens it's not a magic wand it's a change of your whole life then go find a church that will help you to learn how to read a bible because i had to learn that was not easy <laughs> and when i started i realized it was easy it was my soul's manual i'd been looking for for years and never never knew and that was a ridiculously long answer i just realized <laughs> <laughs> no it's fine i just as again just like in all listening listening to you um I remember, but then I, I might have remembered this wrong. Was there not something or a story of some sort where you were standing on your head? Oh, that wasn't me. Oh, that is a great story. So that was when my husband was at training. He was at um, Bible college. So training <laughs> to be a vicar, because that's the bit I didn't tell you. Four years after we walked into the church, my we left that village for my husband to start training to be a Church of England vicar. That was hilarious. 
you know, suddenly me, a vicar's wife, I'm like, wow, Lord, you've heard what comes out of my mouth. Are you serious? Are you trusting me with this? And he's like, absolutely I am. <laughs> and I, they had this group there for the wives and husbands of trainee vicars. Mm-hmm. And it's called Connect. And I have literally never felt less connected to anything in my life. I, it was like I couldn't speak the language. I didn't know what was going on. And I went one day and I heard this woman start to tell a story and my ears went up like an antenna. And she basically said her friend had been praying for a month and every day her, um, she'd heard, go and do a headstand outside the post office. And I was like, what? And so I, I'm, I'm listening now, as I imagine you are, you know, a month. And I'm, I was struck by like a month. She prayed for a month and then also struck by God told her to do a headstand, really? So after a month, she got fed up with hearing this. So she said, fine, I'm going to go and do a headstand. So now I'm really listening. So she goes outside the post office. She's just about to do a headstand. So imagine hands to the ground, head on the ground, and a man shouts, what are you doing? And I'm, I'm thinking, like I'm sure you are, please don't say you're about to do a headstand outside the post office. <laughs> but funnily enough, she goes, I'm about to do a headstand outside the post office. Of course you are. That's completely normal. Said no one ever. <laughs> and then, so she, he, she said, why? And he said, well, why are you doing it? He, he asked her, like, why are you doing a headstand outside the post? And I'm thinking, Please don't say God told you to. Please don't say God told you to. And she went, because God told me to. And I'm like in awe of this woman now going, okay, if that was me, I'd now be looking at my watch going, is that the time I'll walk five miles to the next post office? But the man said, how you couldn't have known. How did you know that my life was so bad? My life is so bad. I said, if there is a God, you will show yourself today because I'm just going to end my life. I've had enough. And if there is a God, you will get someone to do a headstand outside the post office. Oh, I've got goosebumps. I know. My mind was blown in that moment. I was just like, what? And that saved his life. She was able to pray for him. And the beauty of that story is twofold, because God knew her well enough to know how long he had to tell her to do that before she would act. Me, I'd have needed way longer, about 77 years, a pillow and some antibacterial gel before I considered it. <laughs> especially nowadays. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> especially in a pandemic, you need a mask. And yeah, so she, she, he knew her, but he knew, he knew the man. Before the man knew him, he, God knew the man. He knew when he was going to come to the end of his tether. He knew when he was going to have enough. And he sent someone, one of his Christian hands and feet on earth to save his life that day in not just the physical sense, but the eternal sense. He took in that one day, his life went from being temporary to eternal. And I love that story because of that faithful woman of God because she stepped out. That is the weirdest thing to be asked to do, which is why you still remember that story four years later, which is why I tell it, why I remember it eight years later, because she was faithful. It didn't matter that she didn't understand why God had asked her to do it in her prayers. He'd made sure she'd heard it every day and she did it. And because of that, 
someone's life was saved. So for any Christians listening, who is God asking you to do a headstand for? He might not ask you to do it. In fact, he's probably only going to ask you to just tell someone your story. How has God impacted your life? Because, you know, no one has ever died of embarrassment, as far as I'm aware. So you won't either. You know, no one dies of embarrassment. We might feel like we are. The worst that can happen is your cheeks might go a bit red. But what if that person, you're the only person that responds? And what if that person, their heart is ready, their heart is prepared, but they're lost and feeling alone? How unkind is it of us to not share the gospel? It's completely up to you whether you say yes or not. God doesn't force himself on anybody. This is not like a, I'm not on some sort of incentive scheme. It's not get five Christians into the kingdom of God and you get a Mercedes. It's not a pyramid scheme. You know, it's, it's the most loving gift I've ever had. You know, you look at Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. People take pictures of their food. They share good, good, you know, restaurants they've had. They share good holidays, good haircuts. Yeah, how many people do you see sharing the gospel? The most precious thing you've ever got to share. Because the lie out there is it might offend someone. Oh, your, you know, sausage, peas and chips isn't offensive. You know, what's the point of that? I can't smell it or taste it. Why do I want to see how good your food is when I might be eating a sandwich? <laughs> but it's like, but the most beautiful thing that might save someone's life. No, let's keep that to ourselves because I'm not an evangelist or I'm embarrassed or they'll say no. You don't know what that person is going through that day. And so again, I say to you, if you're listening to this, just find me. I will tell you the prayer. Just find me. I'm on Facebook as Rowena Cross. I'm on Instagram as Mrs. Rowena Cross. I've got a website, whatever. Just find me and I will pray that prayer with you over Zoom or on text, but don't do nothing. If something in your heart is stirring right now because you've heard the gospel and you, you're just feeling like you feel, maybe you feel tearful, maybe you've got goose pimples, which is what I always get when I feel like the Holy Spirit descend, just, just re respond, respond. That's Jesus waiting to come into your heart and transform your life and give you a love that will be the greatest love you've ever received in your entire life. And he is the only way to God. There is not many different ways. The most common thing I have said to me is I'm a nice person, so I'll definitely get in, won't I? And I'm like, it's really hard to say to someone, no. Being a nice person is by whose standards are you a nice person? I'm not that great. Jesus makes me nicer than I was before because now I know what, you know, what true love looks like. And so I'm trying harder to be a more Christ-like person, but I can't earn my way in. The minute I gave my heart to Jesus, my life was eternal. I didn't earn it. I can't earn it. It's not by how many good deeds we've done or how many charities we've supported. That's the beauty of it. It's freely given. All we have to do is say yes. Can you 
summarise in maybe one or two sentences the gospel? You've Highly doubtful, but I'll give, <laughs> I'll give it a go. The gospel is that God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, it, a real live human son, to die for us. Because the Old Testament, the Bible before that point, was about sacrifices to kind of say sorry for your mistakes. <laughs> Problem with that is, if you're anything like me, you'd have gone into the church done your sacrifice, said sorry for what you did, tripped over something on the way out, swore, and then have to go back in. I would have spent my whole life going in and out the temple, and I would probably have never done anything else. <laughs> God recognised that as humans, our natural design is to be quite self-involved and to just, you know, follow our feelings. And, you know, that's all completely normal. So he sent Jesus. And what Jesus did was he took our mistakes and he took our sin and he died on the cross so we could live. It's, I've been a Christian for, I don't know, 15 years and I still struggle to take that into my heart, that the sacrifice. I watched the nativity. Do you remember the BBC thing they did over a few series? It, it was so good. It's on um, Amazon yeah, Prime. So. Not that I'm working for Amazon but it's on there it's beautiful if you want to know the story of Jesus go and watch that the nativity it was done by the BBC it's on Amazon Prime for free at the moment if you have Amazon Prime and I cried when Jesus was born in this I haven't done that before something in my soul something in all of our souls knows the sacrifice mm -hmm. so Jesus was born so we may live which means that when we make mistakes God is a forgiving God. The reality means that if somebody commits a horrible crime, but they repent and turn to Jesus, they are forgiven and they too go to heaven. But someone who has served a charity their whole life, because they're a wonderfully kind person, but if they deny that Jesus is the son of God and give their life to him, they don't go to heaven. That's the reality of the gospel that people need to know. It isn't about good deeds, our personality, whether we're good or evil. It's about giving our heart to Jesus, accepting that he is the son of God and choosing to follow him for the rest of our lives. And that is the beauty of the gospel because it is for everyone. No one is excluded from accepting Jesus. No one. And I would far rather live in a world where we forgive one another mm -hmm. and allow people to be redeemed, which is what the gospel does, than in a world where you've made a mistake, you're out. So that's the gospel as I have come to learn it through the Bible. Nicely summed up. <laughs> um, so now that's a stressful question can i just say if you're married to a pastor i'm sitting here going right now i'm scared what if i get some theological point wrong <laughs> just being real putting it out there i'm not a trained theologian so if there's a trained theologian listening please do feel free to send me a private message and tell me where i went wrong 
Um, now let's skip to now or maybe recently. You now live in Malibu in Los Angeles. Um, why did you move there? And how was the change sort of getting used to America and Malibu? I'm currently, this is off topic quite a bit, but I really in lockdown enjoyed watching the real housewives of Beverly Hills. And so I'd love to just co come to LA and just witness and just watch and just take it in. It seems very extravagant, but maybe that's just their side. No, I mean, I, when I had to go to Tear Fund and do a talk and say that my uh, calling was to Malibu, I was just like, I can hear this. It sounds so fake. You know, I appreciate you're all being sent into war zones and famine and I'm up here going, yeah, I'm off to Malibu. <laughs> and it sounds very glamorous. I can only tell you that LA in general and Malibu, it's one of the most, Malibu is one of the most beautiful places I've seen with my eyeballs. You know, you've got the sea in front of you and you've got mountains behind you. It is visually very beautiful. Spiritually, it's one of the darkest places I've ever lived in my entire life. LA and the whole area, California, is, is kind of set up for very wealthy people, Mm. It's a very pick and mix faith kind of place. You know, people take bits from here and a bit from there and a bit from over here. And the gospel is, I can see why God sent us here. The gospel is very much needed. I think in this time, God is calling us back to the Acts 2 church, how it was then about just getting together, just worshipping and praising God and sharing what we have and just becoming a community that serves a community that makes disciples and so ron and i went on a journey we were in a church we loved in london mm -hmm. and god took us on a a journey after we'd done a big event called joy at kempton literally the next day he said right now it's time to go and we were like so we were on a year's journey we couldn't talk to anyone about and god made it quite clear my husband did the thing he got down on his knees and said what are you calling us to and give me signs and God gave him some hilarious signs including someone walking up to him at New Wine and just saying God's told me you're going to California and you're like how weird and so it it was literally lots of different signs mm -hmm. and um and then my husband applied for a job and that was kind of put in front of him and mm -hmm. uh, so we flew out for him to have a few different interviews. It was all about church planting. And as soon as we, we literally cried everywhere we went, we knew it wasn't the place. And we were just getting a really eye-opening view of what American church is like. And um, we went into the last one. We saw it for two hours in the dark. And we just knew the minute we got out the car, that was where we were called. And Ron got offered the job a couple of weeks later. Um, and so he is the pastor of a church called Vintage Church Malibu. And it's a plant from Vintage Church in Santa Monica, mm -hmm. um, run by two other British pastors. So it's a bit of a British kind of Anglican plant. Um, Word and Spirit Church. And it's trying 
to do what we're called to do here. And trying to do it in a pandemic has been really, really hard. We, um, how, long awesome. you, how long have you been? So we've been here for a year. We've just done our first year. So this is our second Christmas. We came last November. Mm -hmm. um, we haven't been able to see our daughter. So we haven't seen her since Christmas last year because she went to get, she has a visa too, just like we do, but she went to get on the plane. And because of COVID, they're only letting American citizens fly. Um, the border is the strictest border in the whole world. So even though the, we can fly to the UK, but then we can't come back. Right. So there's lots of people here who haven't seen their family for a long time. And you really have to dig deep and ask yourself, am I called? Because your human side wants to run home. Mm. You know, that we've missed all these milestones. She got into university. She passed the driving test. She turned 18. You know, it was her decision to stay behind because she's very committed to, she's at Cambridge University now and she needed to stay behind and focus. And mm -hmm hardest thing to do get on a plane without one of your children when they're only just about to turn 18 but one thing I have learned is that if Jesus calls you he get all the words he gave us before we came were about Abraham they were about how Abraham just left and he left he didn't even know where he was going at least we knew where we were coming to mm -hmm. and so we've never ever doubted that we were called here but it's very different to what we thought. We assumed it would be a lot like the UK and in many ways it is. Um, people can't understand our accent. We found that really challenging um, because we're like, well, I can understand you because we have a lot of American TV, but we use a lot of words. We're from London. So we've probably got a lot of slang in our yeah. talk. So we've, and put a mask in front of your face. Um, yeah. In February, I got really poorly and I've been ill for 10 months. Um, so we have come under a huge kind of spiritual challenge, let's put it that way. But it only spurs you on to dig deeper mm. in Jesus. And that's what I would encourage everyone is that becoming a Christian doesn't mean that you don't have challenges, that suddenly your life is perfect. That's what I kind of assumed that when I gave my life to Jesus, like, yep. I'm done. Everyone in the church knows what they're doing. I'm in. I've got it. And you think it's the end of the journey. And God's up there chuckling to himself going, that's what you think. This is just the beginning of your journey. You know, for me, I was made redundant twice um, back then, you know, because God took me on a journey of all your identity is in your job title and how much you earn and all the rest of it. It's like, that's not who you are. So I've had to go on a really painful journey to find out who I am and, and, but I'm thankful for it. So like even having been poorly for a year when I, I am glad to see the back of 2020 and I know mm -hmm. I do not stand alone in this. It's like, I can hear the, the kind of, yep, with you there, bad to yep. see the back of 2020, but I have grown more in 2020 than probably the five years leading up to 2020 before. And mm -hmm. I've learned a lot about who I am and that a lot of my faith was based on circumstance. Um, and God asks us to have faith above our circumstances. So am I, does God only love me if I'm well and if I'm healthy and if I can see my children, if I can get plenty of money or no, the, the real, real deepening of your faith is when you can worship when you're in the pit. You know, yeah. when you can't see, 
it's that beautiful worship song even when i don't see you you're working even when i don't feel you, you're working. yeah I just, that song just reduces me to tears which is why i'm not going to sing it because that would reduce you to tears <laughs> is that song would you for the wrong reasons but it reduces me to tears because it's it's so for now you know and it is and um i used to run a children's dance group called elevation and the last dance we were rehearsing to do for easter time was waymaker um and, and obviously we weren't able to do that because of COVID and the church is shutting. But I think that that, um, that song is just really connects to everyone, really. Um, I was going to ask you about America in general, in terms of how the church is different. How's lockdown been different to maybe what we've experienced in the UK over in so the, in the States? I think, well, so we live in California. California was one of the worst hit states um mm. and so we have a governor who basically locked us down in kind of march um and we haven't really we've kind of come up out of lockdown a little bit but not much we were allowed to meet as a church because we were under the limit of numbers you know so it's actually mm. a lot of the mega churches that have been really hit hard because they can't open at all because unless you've got space outside you can't meet now we have the blessing the dip so one of the good things is that we're in california so we can meet outside because i know they think it's cold right now but as you can see i'm in a vest top it's not cold if you're a british person <laughs> you know their, their winter is our summer as we they keep whenever i see them they're like in a bobble hat or whatever and they'll be like aren't you cold? And I'm like, what, aren't you sweating? Um, <laughs> this is summer to us, you know? So oh, it, that's meant we could still meet as a church because we moved our service outside. Yeah. Uh, we're not meeting currently because the, the, the LA is one of the worst places in the world, let yeah, alone I've seen that the, the numbers are, are, well, the numbers are allegedly very bad. What I have noticed, and I don't know if this is the same is the news over here isn't really news. So it just really like tune into this channel if you're a Democrat and choose into this channel if you're a Republican and that's about it. So right. trying, there's, there's not really a kind of, so the news is very, very biased. Focused, yeah. Yeah, towards, focused is a much more polite word. I'm going with biased, but it's, it's kind of, it's much more political. That, yeah. So, I think what's happened and I can see it as well in the UK, but to a lesser extent, it seems to be that, um, that COVID has been made a political thing and it's not, it's a disease. And what I will say to people, because, you know, obviously people have asked a lot, you know, where's God in COVID? Mm. I know it was something you, you, we were talking about before and I don't know, I'm not him, but I have read my Bible and this is not new. You know, this is not new. Literally, if you read any of the prophets in the Bible, I love them. No big surprise, because I'm quite forthright. So I love the prophets. But every prophet predicted these things, you know, that these things happen. Where there are humans, things happen. You know, um, mm -hmm. there's been a, I, I don't want to get into, there's a lot of conspiracy theories around COVID. Um, and I don't know where it came from or why it's here. I know God is in it and i have seen but he's not caused it i think that's important for listeners who 
on I don't know we can't you. answer that question now that's a really tricky thing I can't say to you because I'm not him and I think as a church what you want to do is you want to lovingly protect people your instinct is to be compassionate but I can't lie to people and say me Rowena Cross is categorically saying God did not cause this thing because I'm not him now yeah, do fair. I think you know, do I think God caused this? No, because I think it's quite evil. If you look at how it operates, how the disease operates, I think it's man-made um, because of the way it manifests itself, the randomness. The way I see God move is how children have been protected in COVID. That's where I see how God moves. How is a virus, think of any other virus, how does it avoid children? You know what children are like, I've got two, they're like incubators. You know, <laughs> you, you send them to school for a week and they come home with a cold that seems yeah. to stay there when they're five years old for like the rest of their life. How has this virus bypassed all the children and the teenagers? There's very, very, very few of them. Yeah. You know, I know someone will come up with a, a, something that may be contradictory, but if you look at that, I see God in that. That the that's children, given me goosebumps as well. I've yeah, that the children have been. I'm. That's just my opinion. That is not yeah. opinion of the church or a biblical opinion. But you ask me where I see him. Where I see him is in. If, if you come into a faith, if you become a Christian and expect nothing bad to ever happen to you, and if it does, that means God's left the building. Then you're going to fall on the wayside very, very quickly. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that when you follow God, nothing bad is ever going to happen to you. In fact, it's often the opposite, that because you're raising your head above the parapet, you get shot in the face a bit more. You know, I think the biggest disappointment for Christians is they expect nothing bad to happen to them. Mm. That's not life. Life is full of challenges. And if you look back over your challenges, you'll probably realize like me, they're the, the times when I've grown the most. They're the times when I felt the closest to Jesus. Do I want to go through them again? No, because it's human nature. Who wants to do? Do I want to be as ill as I've been for 10 months again? No. Do I want them to tell me I'm healed? Yes. Does that mean God doesn't love me because I haven't been healed in the way I want? No. But if we look at healing in the way that God looks at healing. When you're a Christian, you can't lose, you know, because you're either healed one of two ways. You either die in which you go to heaven and then you're healed completely. There's no more pain, no more suffering, no more tears, or you're healed in this life. And then you see beauty. But all the people who are out there now struggling with COVID, struggling with chronic illnesses, does that mean God doesn't love them? No. How dare anybody say that about the God that I love? He is in those struggles with people. Whether you feel it, whether you can see it, I tell you now, I speak over you now, God is with you. That is what I can categorically say mm -hmm. that I have learned over the last 10 months that when I couldn't move, I went from being able to be, to speak, and walk to not being able to walk up a set of stairs because I couldn't breathe. I've had emergency treatment. I've got a heart condition. I've had a biopsy. I've had, I literally turned into Job. I was like, Lord, when I said I wanted to be a Bible character, that 
that's not what I meant. <laughs> and so, yeah. but did, there was not one moment when I thought God had left me. And that surprised me because I just didn't. I knew he was there. And I don't need to know the answer to, did he cause it or is he in it? I just knew he was with me because I kept my eyes focused on the truth of his word and didn't listen to the voices around me and the voice of my own fear. So I want to encourage. That may not sound encouraging. I don't know, but you asked me a question. I have to answer truthfully. Only yeah. God knows whether he caused COVID or whether he's in it. My gut feeling based on the Bible is that this disease is, is man-made and evil but i can't say that for sure because i also know there's been plagues and famines and earthquakes and things done before when god is trying to get our attention and trying to ask the name he is actually asking right now the world to turn back to him he's asking just turn back to me he could just wipe us out in one fell swoop if he wanted but he hasn't and the reason he doesn't is because he wants as many people as possible to turn back to him so he can pour the love and the growth and the joy into them yeah. that he wants them to have as children of his. I was going to say as well that um, people who, oh, I don't know how to phrase it. So, so people who maybe aren't Christians, but if you if they're going through something or they've they've got like a hospital appointment or they're nervous for an exam and if you just go oh I'll just say a prayer for you they don't hardly any will turn that down they'll always be like oh yes thank you because they think they think make like oh their prayers work or something but um i noticed which isn't true like everyone's is the same but what i noticed which was really nice is when i don't know if you saw it the blessing that got shared a lot on facebook and i thought that mm sums up entirely what what like the loving and the warmth that people people needed in this time and I think sort of in a way COVID and with churches being online it, the church has been able to reach more people online and I was chatting to someone and they were saying you know they've get they're getting let's say 2,000 people watching for about 30 seconds at a time um, and some people were arguing, well, that's not very good because they're not watching the whole thing. But then the other point that they were saying is, but that's 2,000 people listening for 30 seconds. If you had 2,000 people pop their head through the church door for 30 seconds and what they would receive, that is an incredible platform that sort of COVID has enabled in a way. So I think, um, I think that COVID has reached more people possibly. And the building people might find sort of a church building to be quite intimidating or intense maybe and being able to access it from home I think has been a good a good thing I'm gonna um I'm gonna play sort of not devil's advocate because I feel like that's a bad turn of phrase but I'm gonna throw some some sort of questions at you now that um maybe people have said to me or I've heard that if they're struggling with faith or they don't think God's real, um, just to see sort of what you, so sorry for putting you on the, on the spot. Um, <laughs> so if something, you, you were sort of mentioning this with COVID and that, but if something bad's happened, if someone 
died or something and you're asking why me why has this happened have, what have I what have I done wrong to deserve this what would you say that's a really it is a common question and mm -hmm. it is a really difficult question and as I said before it the the beauty and unfairness of life is people don't get what they deserve it's not you know, if someone, people do die, the only, what is it, somebody said that the only two things that are sure are death and taxes, you know, you, yeah, we are all going to die at some point. None of us know how long our lifespan is on this earth. When someone dies, I think particularly when it's, their life has been taken, you know, someone else, another human has taken someone's life it's very hard to see where God is in that because you're left with so much grief and pain and grief is just debilitating. Um, I would never try and answer the question of why that person has died because again, I'm not God. I believe that God is in everything, but God gave humans free will. He gave us free will to eat what we choose, drink what we choose, run across roads when we shouldn't to you know um damage the planet to be mean to each other to you know these are all things we choose to do the, these are things that you know he gave people free will and if you believe there's good in the world you believe there's evil you know and so these are really really deep questions what i would say is if you it's called faith. If you, I didn't, interestingly, I didn't have any of these questions when I started. The biggest question that I've seen asked regularly on Alpha is if there's a God, why is there suffering? Yeah. And it's like, because people have free will. And so someone chooses to take someone else's life. That is wholeheartedly wrong. But does that mean we should then take that person's life this is a debate we were having here the other day no but in america the death penalty is still around and so i'm like to me i'm like i don't understand that the only person who has you know that well there's nobody we just we just don't have that right to do that you know every person is redeemable has the potential to be redeemable if they choose to be so yeah. If I was sitting with someone who was bereaved, we're not going into, you don't get into that. You do the thing that Jesus called you to do, which is show compassion and love to the person who's left behind. Um, and you don't try and answer everybody's questions because all I can do is point people to scripture that I hope Psalm 139 is a great Psalm. If you've never read the Bible, Google Psalm 139 because it's God's identity for, for everybody. He's known everybody since he knitted them together in their womb. But none of us are immune from pain. And I think, um, I think about a friend of mine whose son died and I asked her, how did you keep your faith? It was a question I really wanted to know the answer to. How did you keep your faith? And she said, Rowena, how would I go through this pain without God? Then I'd go through it with no hope no no promise of seeing him again she said i couldn't it i couldn't have gone through this without god 
She said, I've shouted at him. She said, but by the time I get the answer, she said, one of two things is going to happen. I'll be standing in heaven. She said, and I'll either be ranting at Jesus. Why did you take my son? Yeah. She said, or I'll be so pleased to see Sam, I won't care. And I'll be so pleased to see Jesus, I won't care. I don't know which is going to happen, but she's made her peace with waiting to find the answer. And I was yeah. like blown away by her faith, her courage and her bravery. And it's what we were just talking about, that faith has to go beyond your circumstances. You, sometimes you have to be comfortable not knowing all the answers. I can't answer yeah. to people who are grieving. But what I do know is grieving without Jesus, there's no hope. Grieving with Jesus, there's a hope that you know where the person is and that this is not the end. And I, I met a funeral director because obviously having a husband who's a vicar, you do meet funeral directors more than others. <laughs> and he said he found his faith watching funerals. He said, I watched Christians in funerals and I watched people without a faith have funerals. And he said, I want that one. He yeah. said he became a Christian because he said, there's still pain and there's still grief. He said, but they worshipped with joy at where the person was now and how they were at peace. Yeah. He said, when you don't have a faith, he said, I watched people just bereft. There was no hope. They just lost the person they loved and they were just on their knees. He, and that's what drew him to Jesus, watching the two different. I, was, I found that such a beautiful testimony. Yeah. Because he's right at that end of life. And that reminds, that reminds me of um, the worship song that is when it says there may, may be pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. I think that's, yeah. that's nice. Okay, another question for you. Um, <laughs> why is, I'm not saying this as me, but I'm, I've phrased it in the first person. Why am I not healed? I've been praying or I've been praying for that person. Why are they not healed from that problem or illness or mental illness? That is such a good question. And the top I don't, no, I know you're like, you're really giving me the really easy questions to answer here. <laughs> okay, now it's going to sound like a cop out. And I think that my answer is going to be maybe difficult to understand. If you don't know Jesus, I think you're going to understand my answer. But I think to people who don't know Jesus, to me, when I didn't know Jesus, I'm not sure I would have understand this, but I'm going to give it because it's the one I believe like you, but not like you, because you've been battling this your whole life. You have used your, you've allowed in Genesis, there's a bit where Joseph, everyone knows Joseph in his Technicolor Dreamcoat, even if it's only because they saw Philip Schofield or Jason Donovan in the West End doing that. But everyone, or they did it at school, like me. I was Potiphar's wife. How apt. So, yeah, I was, I, I was in Joseph when I was at school. But everyone knows that story. And Joseph was betrayed by his brothers. When his brothers finally realized who he was, when he was like the king's right-hand man, most powerful man in the, in the kingdom, they said to him, they were just begging for his forgiveness. And he said these words, what you meant for harm, God turned for good. And I think that what I've seen in you, what I've seen you do with your illness is what whatever meant for harm, you've allowed God to use 
for good. You've spoken about it. You've advocated for it. You've, you've campaigned for drugs that wouldn't maybe have been around before. You have tried your best to live your life to the fullness of Christ while you still have breath in your body. Had you not, I'm pretty sure you still would have been an amazing person, but people have listened to you because of your illness in times where maybe they wouldn't have done. Now, I don't think God caused your illness. Do I think that? Again, we've gone into that scary territory. Do we know? No. But he's, you're allowing him to change the outcome of that, to, to, to repurpose it for good. And I think, sadly, we learn a lot more and people listen to us more when we speak out from a place of pain than when we speak out from a place of, you know, who wants to hear a smug preacher whose life looks completely perfect talking yeah. about pain? You know, all the people I know who've ever been given a platform to speak on anything have all come through deep, dark. Look at our own Archbishop of Canterbury. He's had some really, really awful times to go through but what it's done is made him more compassionate when he speaks to people he's not speaking from a place of not knowing he's speaking from a place of i've been where you are yeah which means he's more equipped to know the solution to whatever it is and so i think that god uses it was c.s lewis who said god god pain is god's megaphone to rouse like a deaf world or something and I'm man that was me you know I had to be put in a coma and have my be hovering on the brink to wake up and hear that God was calling me and he was calling me to to do something with we all have like a sphere of influence if you like God puts people around us your illness has caused <coughs> you to use your sphere of influence in a different way than maybe you might have done now, that's not me saying I don't pray and, you know, that your illness is gone. And I have seen miracle after miracle after miracle. So people are healed. A man down our hallway, he had a horrific accident and they told him he was going to need all these operations on his knee and he was hobbling past me. And I went, well, I'm not having that. Laid my hand on his knee. Now, I'm not a prayer out loud. I get really embarrassed. It's not my gift, which is hilarious. <laughs> So I put my hand on his knee and I prayed for him. And two yeah. weeks later, I felt prompted by God to take him some food. <laughs> I can't cook. So I got someone else in our church who was making some food <laughs> extra. So at least it tastes nice. Well, taking some <clears> of <throat> the burnt offering isn't always great, is it? It's like, here, have this disgusting casserole. Mm. So she made this lovely food and I took it to him. And he was like, I'm so glad you're here. He said, I went for my MRI after you prayed for me and there is nothing wrong with my knee. Wow. I've been arrested for two weeks, but there was no operation. And they said they couldn't understand it because he had x-rays showing that he did. Yeah. Now, I don't know why he got healed and you didn't, but he doesn't know Jesus yet. So maybe that healing was to bring him to Jesus. I don't know because yeah. I'm not Jesus, but it's such a, I think we do that if people are waiting for a black and white answer, they're never going to get it. Mm. Faith is so nuanced it's so it's faith you're yeah. stepping out and saying i have faith to know that my life has a purpose and also like 
just when like just because people are Christians doesn't mean they have they don't have asked these questions themselves. I remember Absolutely. when um, the sort of why is this happened question I struggled with a lot when our vicar Simon died um, because I just remember thinking you know he was just the most amazing vicar speaker about Jesus just all round lovely wonderful human and I just remember thinking why why have you done this and it's fair to say that you can you know God loves you but you can you can be angry sometimes like it's perfectly okay to sort of have those honest conversations and I remember thinking why has this happened why 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 I don't understand and um I just thought that oh I think you've gone (laughs) hello (laughs) there we go I don't know I don't know what happened there. I was like, I've done so many podcasts and it has never crashed. And I'm just hoping that that has all recorded. But um, it was recording right up to, but I just, you'd frozen for me. And so you know that we're getting onto a topic that somebody doesn't want us to talk about. And so it's like, of course, I'm going to try and cut you off. It's like, no, thanks. Do one. But what I was saying was that, um, with the question in the why Simon died and why why it was, you know, a lovely church and everything. And I just remember thinking why all the time and being really upset and really angry. And I think with time and listening to sort of different sermons and worship songs and things, there were worship songs I could not sing. I could not sing You're a Good, Good Father for at least four months because I thought, well, you know what, if you were, then that wouldn't have happened. But I think that really shook everyone in our church. And I think now, I wouldn't say we're stronger, but I'd say like, I can sing that again because I know that God is good. Um, yeah. Um, that is really hard. And I had to make my peace with this year. As I sat there, I can remember the day I had to make my peace with, okay, this might be my end. I'm, I might be done. Um, and all the human voices around me are like, no, no, don't say that, don't say that. And I'm like, no, no, I feel I need to make my peace with that. And I made my peace with that. If this is the end of my life, it's not on my timing. I would like longer, please. You know, my children are 18 and 15. I don't feel that's a good age to be going anywhere. It's like, but if that's your will for my life, then I made my peace with it. And it isn't, it wasn't God's will for my life because I'm still here talking to you, but there was power in making. So I would say to people, there's power in making your peace with the fact that we don't know when the end of our life is. All we know is that it is going to come to an end on this earth. Yeah. But when we follow Jesus, so Simon... I don't know why he died at that point very unexpectedly, but I do know where he is now. And I know that that doesn't bring comfort in the first days when you lose someone, but it is what brings comfort to people in the months and years that follow, you know, the months that his poor wife who has to share her grief with a whole congregation as a vicar's wife, I totally get how painful that must have been for her. But I pray that she's now being comforted by the fact that her faith tells her where he is and when 
she will see him again. Yeah. You know, we, lo- we love Claire. She's amazing. <laughs> I bet she is. I can only imagine she is. If he was amazing, then she must be too. <laughs> She's one of the most inspirational women I've ever met. Um, so we're going to wrap up, but I just wanted to set the scene. If someone's listened to this today and thinks, yeah, that sounds good. It's not, becoming a Christian isn't sort of a scary thing. I think I just want you to sort of talk about how going to church isn't scary. It's not intense in an off-putting way. Um, Maybe do you want to just speak about a bit about that so people feel like they're able to sort of go to their local church or look at it on Facebook or find out more at Alpha or go on your website or something? Yeah, I mean, let's face facts. Church is a bit freaky. Let, let's not beat around the bush. I, I was expecting lots of beardy, weedy, sandal-wearing people when I first went. Um, and so I get, you know, that people, it's overwhelming. I can remember when Ron and I stepped into the church for the first time, I was terrified. I, I don't know what I thought was going to happen. Like God would somehow see how naughty I really am and I'd burst into flames or something. I don't know. But <laughs> our friends like practically pole vaulted over the pews to get to us before we kind of met that member of the congregation. Yeah. <laughs> I always say, if you don't know who that is, it probably means it's you. But <laughs> it's, I would say that if you, you know, going to church is an important part of being a Christian because it gives you family now, what do you know about family? Family are not perfect. They argue at Christmas. They argue over things. They don't agree on everything. That's what church is like. Um, the problem is if you go to church and put your faith in the human leading the service. So if you put your faith in the vicar or the pastor, then you are going to be let down because that person is just like you, human, mm-hmm. and they're going to make mistakes. But if you can go to church and accept that just like your family, it's like a, a bunch of mixed nuts. They're all a bit different and some are harder to crack than others. Then, then you'll see Jesus in action because I have seen him do stuff in people's lives. I've seen him break chains of addiction. I've seen him break grief of people who've lost their children. I've seen him bathe people in love who had no self-worth at all. I've seen him heal the sick. I have seen him pour joy back into people who've struggled with depression for years. Mm -hmm. There is nothing Jesus can't do. Take the first step this Christmas and just step into a church. Expect nothing. And you will not be disappointed because you're just going to be, that sounded wrong. I've just realized how I said that. I don't mean expect nothing, you'll get nothing. I mean, if you, if you have no expectations, you will meet with Jesus. You will meet with Jesus. He is in there. Choose a Christian church. Choose, um, you don't always get it right. You know, I've been to churches, I've walked in and thought, whoa, this isn't for me. And then I've gone into other ones. That's why we have so many churches because everyone is so different. Yeah. So I would say step in, find one where they're very open to telling you the gospel. Go in and say, 
I've kind of heard the gospel from these two on this podcast, but I want to know more. Can you help me? That's the best question you can ever go into a church and ask. I want to know more. Can I have a Bible? If you have never read the Bible, start in the New Testament. Because if you find out who Jesus is, you will find out who you really are. And he lives. If you start in Matthew, it sounds weird. We're starting in the middle of a book, but it's not. If you start in the New Testament and then go back to the Old Testament, it's just it just helps. That's what my first ever vicar told me. And it, I've told everyone ever since because it helped me. Because I picked up Genesis and was like, what are all these names and these numbers? It was hard. <laughs> so um, he said, no, start in Matthew. But yeah. start. What I would say is what's more scary coming out of this podcast is if you do nothing. Doing nothing is what actually makes us go backwards. Doing something. I would rather do something and get it wrong, pick myself up, learn from it and move forward again than do nothing. So don't do nothing. You don't know how long you've got left on this earth. This is just temporary. If you think of earth like a waiting room, it's like an action room. We're sent here because we're meant to do stuff and we're meant to do that in love and we're supposed to love our neighbor. And then we go to heaven and it's like, party, party, we get to meet Jesus. And how cool will it be if, when you get there, if you're a Christian, you get there and someone comes up and hugs you and says, I'm here because you told me about this place. Wow. How cool will it be if you don't know Jesus yet? If I'm standing there waiting for you and you go, huh, it's because of your big mouth that I'm here. That would be so <laughs> encouraging for me too. Yeah. But and what I, I do know is there is a space. There is a shape. If you think I said on the Esther ministry course, I tell you everyone is a piece of jigsaw. Imagine a big picture of jigsaw. When there's a piece missing, what's your eye drawn to? It's drawn to the bit that's missing. It doesn't matter how beautiful the picture is. If there's a piece missing, there's a big hole. That hole is inside us when we don't know Jesus. And we are that hole in his picture when we we don't know him yet. So he's waiting for you. And Christmas is the perfect time to find him because it's when he was born. It's when he was sent to this world to remind us we're loved. So don't do nothing. When you've listened to this podcast, do something. Yeah, and this podcast is actually airing on Christmas Day. So that's good. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and also if anyone who's listened to this has any questions like Rowena said do message sort of me or her and we'd be happy to sort of signpost good replaces and things for you to do um before we finish do you mind doing like a little blessing for the listeners for sort of 2021 and themselves yeah let's let's just try and pray and see what happens because as I've already told you praying out loud is scary for me um (laughs) That's an encouragement for any other Christian too. Father God, we just thank you for Lucy. We thank you for her, her heart, and the fact that she packs so much into her life despite the challenges that she faces. She is living proof of how you use people because of who they are, not in spite of. And we thank you for that, Lord. I pray for each and every person listening, whether there's one person listening, 
2,200, 2,000. I pray for every single person who stumbles across this podcast to come to know you, Lord, to come to know their true identity in who they are in you. I pray if anyone wants to give their heart to Jesus now, they'll repeat these words that I'm going to pray now. Father God, come into my heart now. I'm sorry for anything I've done that wasn't what I was meant to be doing. I choose to know in this moment I'm forgiven. Jesus, come and live in my heart. Holy Spirit, come. Let me learn to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks so much for coming on my podcast today, Rowena. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're so welcome. And if anybody wants to talk to me or has given their life to Jesus today or wants to give their life to Jesus or wants to talk more about it, just message me. You can find me, Rowena Cross, on Facebook. Mrs. Rowena Cross on Instagram. I've got rowenacross.com, which is the cringiest thing I've ever had to use. And I didn't do it. A very wonderful man named Stephen did. Um, yeah, so just find me any of those ways if you want to ask any questions or talk to me. Um, right. But I'm, thank you for asking me. It's okay. I enjoyed our chat. <laughs> Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. To keep up to date with all things from a Lancashire Lass, follow on Facebook and Instagram at from a Lancashire Lass.